Morning. I uh, apologize for not having a podcast out yesterday. Actually, we uh, had uh, a monthly uh, pastors meeting. Some of the local Calvary pastors we get together and and uh, pray and just kind of fellowship together and and just stay in close contact with each other. And and uh, yesterday was particularly cool because we had a chance to get together with uh, three out of four uh, new guys that are uh, have started and are starting new works uh, in in uh, in Middle Tennessee and and into. Uh, uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky, and so we're pretty excited about that. And uh, but that meeting and that time together took a good part of the day. And so um, by the time I was able to kind of get back and, and and had to do some other things, it started getting a little late. So uh, we did post a brief on the road podcast on Sunday. And uh, but I do apologize for not having one yesterday. So that being said, um, today we're going to pick it up in Colossians chapter three. We've actually gone through two chapters of this excellent letter from Paul where he both helps us to realize that in Christ, the fullness of God dwells bodily and, uh, and, and we are complete in him. There's so much to be said about that, some of which we've talked about a little bit already and some of which we'll continue to, to, to speak to as we come, come across these concepts continually in this, in this book. But, um, but here in chapter three, um, Paul says, if then you have been raised with Christ, Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, and not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What a breathtaking passage this is. Uh, If then you've been raised with Christ, if then, kind of like a therefore, Paul has been talking about the idea that we're no longer subject to the ideas uh, and and underlying principles of this world, whether they be religious. Paul, again, was a Jew with a tremendous amount of ritual and, and, and so much from the law that was a daily part of his practice. Understanding the place of the law as being that which pointed us to Christ was nothing that saved us in and of itself, but was help, helpful in, in, in helping us understand that we couldn't save ourselves by living up to the law. Well, Paul, having practiced all these rituals and all these things, realized that they are not what we are bound to anymore. And on top of that, too, the elemental principles of the world that he had spoken of previously begin to speak to the or uh, uh, touch on the idea of all of those undercurrents and 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 uh, and undergirding factors of this world, uh, whether they be religious, whether they be just various worldviews. Um, these are things that we no longer uh, are really part of anymore. We walk in them, we live in them. Jesus did pray. <sighs> how I wish he would have prayed this differently, but he did pray, Father, I don't pray you take them out of the world, speaking of his followers then, and by extension us now, but rather that you protect them from the evil one, implicit that while they are in the world, they'll have to contend with the evil one. Father, protect them from him, but don't take them out of the world. Well, again, as much as I wish that would have been prayed differently, like, Father, take them out of the world the second they come to know and trust in me. We'd been gone, that would have been awesome. But uh, be that as it may, We are here because Jesus wills us to be here, to be serving him, to be walking in his ways, to to be reflections of his glory, trophies of his grace. And so we go about our day. Now, how we go about our day is really what's in view here in the passage. Uh, We we can continue in one sense, either walking in sort of um, um, according to those religious elemental principles of the world. Hopefully as believers, we understand that we're in grace, that we understand much of God's holiness from the Old Testament, but that the rules and requirements of it were satisfied. The, the violating of those rules and requirements, the penalty for that was satisfied in Christ's 
finished work on the cross. And so therefore we are no longer of the mindset that we need to somehow earn our salvation. Interestingly, Paul makes a pretty strong case that that was never intended to be uh, what we took from the law. But, uh, but be that as it may, we generally thought that as we, as, as we quote unquote, keep the Ten Commandments, we do better. We stand better with God. We're in a better standing with God. But really, the law's intention, as Paul says in Galatians 3, was to be a schoolmaster or something to keep us focused on the idea that when Messiah comes, he is the one that we're ultimately looking for. But the law itself was powerless to save us, not because it was uh, wrong or bad or powerless in and of itself. Except, Well, I mean, we did not have the capacity to keep it, and the law could not provide us the power to keep it. It was simply something that condemned us. But that condemnation points us to our need for a savior. And so Paul here in, 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 uh, in Colossians is talking about how we have been raised with Christ now. We're no longer subject to those things that we thought might earn us that place before God. And I would also suggest too, that since he says to set our minds on thing that are, things that are above and not of the earth, uh, let me just expand that slightly, just a little bit, because I don't want to read into the passage, but there are a lot of things that, uh, uh, principles and ideas, elemental principles of the world, that, um, that, that, that do have tremendous sway and influence. And we need to be mindful of these things as believers because we are called to keep our eyes on the prize, to keep our eyes upward, to keep our hearts and mindsets, our motivations, our desires and such, to be anchored in Christ and to be focused upon him. And this becomes part of the rub because, <clears throat> because even in our day as believers, we sometimes allow our eyes to train on other things that begin to take a greater sense of importance and prominence than they should. Uh, the truth of the matter is, is that we have died and our life is hidden with Christ and God. In other words, we are dead to the principles and ideas of this world. So therefore, why connect ourselves with them inappropriately? Now, again, we are called to walk in this world. Jesus, again, prayed that we would be protected while we're in it, implying that we would be in it. And uh, however, the clear implication is that we're also not of it. So we touch lightly those things that are in the world. Well, one of those things that are in the world uh, and one of the great distractions and, and unfortunately um, overbearing focuses of believers in the world is in areas of politics and things like this, where we think that if we can usher righteousness in here, that will bring about the kingdom of God. No, no, Jesus will do that. God is going to take care of that. Daniel tells us as he uh, explains a prophecy Nebuchadnezzar could have that is a kingdom made without hands, this rock made without hands, that ultimately strikes at the, uh, the feet of this series of, uh, uh, of kingdoms that have come and gone, but one day, the kingdom of God will be established, but it'll be established by him. And so therefore, why, why am I talking about this? I say this because in our current, especially in the West, uh, our current political climate is such where many believers have begun to kind of hang their hopes on a particular candidate or on, a, on, on, our, uh, or on a particular ideology, conservatism, or whether it's uh, a particular party, uh, you know, and that kind of thing. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that those things will never usher in righteousness. They, we, we make our voices heard, we vote, we participate, right? Our, 
One of our things we talk about here is to pray, educate, and participate in the system as we've been privileged to do. But at the end of the day, to put too much emphasis on this, thinking that somehow we're going to bring about the righteousness that the scriptures talk about in that full sense of the kingdom of God sort of being expressed on the earth, that's only going to go so far. We're not really going to establish the kingdom of God. Only he does that. And so therefore, if we really believe that, if we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and mean it for what it means, that he will bring his kingdom uh, and set it up, then the amount, to the effect that we pour ourselves into things like politics or any other things like this, we, 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 should, only, we should know that these things will only have so much impact. They're not going to accomplish the, ultimately what God is going to accomplish, but they will serve a purpose in some way uh, in, in making a witness known. And so when we keep our eyes on things above and not things of the earth, what we're doing is we are continually walking in closeness with him. We live in the world and so we have to participate in it, but it's not our primary focus. It's not where we pour our full intentions into. Um, insofar as they connect with unfolding prophecy, we point those things out. We help understand, it helps us understand where we might be in terms of God's unfolding of these things. But at the same time, they are not the thing that we pour ourselves into because it, it has a tremendous power to be an enormous distraction for us. And instead of praying for the lost, instead of being about sharing the gospel, we become about getting a particular candidate elected or we become uh, about picketing for a certain thing or, or not. I'm not saying we shouldn't make our voices heard about issues like abortion and things like this. Absolutely we should. But at the end of the day, those things are symptomatic of the larger problem. And that larger problem is that this world is under the sway of the wicked one. And it will be until Jesus comes. There's nothing biblically that talks about how this world will not continue to go that way until Jesus comes and establishes his kingdom. And so therefore, if we want to walk with him and keep our eyes on things above, then we touch lightly those things and worldviews and philosophies and political agendas that are temporal and will have their day, but they will ultimately pass with the coming of his kingdom. And so we, we are hidden with Christ in God, hidden, uh, concealed. We're sort of in this place of, of, of belonging to him intimately and away from the world kind of a thing. And notice how he finishes the thought. He says that when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. In the midst of this idea of keeping our eyes on him, there is connected this idea of his coming in glory and our being glorified as well. And so that is our, our great hope. That's the living hope that we have and our great hope all put together. The living hope that we will be glorified, will live forever with him, and the glorious hope of his coming are connected together in this passage. Well, those are things that should absolutely captivate and consume us. The idea of being glorified alongside of him and to know that he's coming one day and we'll come with him when he does. And um, which begs the question, how much of that did Paul talk about with the Colossian churches? You know, did he explain things like the rapture to them? I, I imagine he did. Did he talk about things like the second coming? Clearly he did. Um, but to what, to what extent, we don't know, like we know with the Thessalonians or even the Corinthians for that matter. Uh, here in Colossians, though, even though it's just mentioned in passing, we know that Paul has spoken to, to some extent about these things with them. Why? Because that is our hope. That is what we look forward to with great anticipation. That's what consumes our thinking and our, our desires and such. And so, um, 
you know, to that effect, let me just encourage you in something that um, that has really been a burden of my heart lately. I don't know if it's, you know, I'm not trying to foist my burden upon you by any means, but let me just share what is on my heart in the hopes that it will resonate to some degree. Um, Paul in, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, talks about how uh, we are citizens of heaven. That's where our citizenship is. And so therefore, we long to be in the place that we are now from. I've traveled a bit in my life, and I love to travel. I, you know, um, my hope is that things will open up again enough to where we can, you know, my wife and I, as we get a little older, maybe we'll have a chance to travel around some more. But we've been to Israel. We've been to Gua, Gua, well, I've been to Guatemala. I'm hoping my wife and daughter can come with another time as we maybe can go back there. But we've been to a few places in Europe in that when my wife worked with a missions organization. And so we've seen things around the world, and we've been to Russia twice. We adopted our daughter from there. So we've we've seen a lot of great things, and we love to travel and be in places. But, you know, there's an adage that everybody knows and understands what it means. There's no place like home. Well, I love seeing the world and seeing things and experiencing culture and meeting people and all that kind of thing. But there's something about sleeping in your own bed when you get home. There's just nothing like it. Well, imagine what the homecoming in heaven is going to be like. This place that our souls ache for, that we we know about and we have sort of maybe a taste of from time to time, but one day we'll be in it, we'll be home. This will be gone and, and left behind. Well, how can how can thoughts like that not flood our minds? How can they not undergird us? How can they not fuel our, our passion for Jesus above all other things? Well, you know, if we understand that our citizenship is in heaven, then that will make us better citizens here on earth as well, no doubt. But we should never forget that ultimately, if you are a born-again believer, a child of God, bought and paid for by the shed blood of Jesus, your sins completely washed away, covered by his grace, with a future and the hope of eternity that lies ahead. Not a hope that I'm wondering if it'll come true, but one that is just a matter of time before we experience it and enter into it. That That is what we live for. That is where we'll be for eternity. And it's the thing, it's the place, it's the being in God's presence very directly is what our hearts long for. And so if our hearts long for that, then it's going to impact the way that we view our commitments here, our time commitments, our resource commitments, things like that. I'm not going to be specific about how you should do those things, what, how you should pour into those things or not or anything, but just to simply leave you with this thought, that if we're going to set our eyes on things above, if we're going to seek those things, if we're going to set our minds on those things that are not of earth but rather are above, where Christ is seated in the heavenlies, that place where we too will one day be, then let that be the thing, let that be the knowledge, let that be the hope and the the, the foundation from which you build anything you do here. Knowing that everything we do here, if it has eternity, internal purposes in mind, then it's of great value. However, if it's something that's going to fade away, then how much do we want to pour into that? You know, you'd be surprised what God can do. The Holy Spirit can move when the Holy Spirit moves in, the, in a body of believers who are so fixated on Jesus. You'd be surprised the openings that he can bring, the situations he can put people in. He puts Stephen for one minute waiting on tables, the next minute standing giving testimony before the leaders of Israel. Uh, he brought Paul, a, a violent opposer of Christ, to standing before kings and rulers. 
uh, and ultimately martyred for his faith. Um, but there, you'd be amazed at what God can do if we simply focus on him and lay ourselves at his feet and say, Lord, what would you have me do today? What would you have me pour myself into and focus on? Those eternal things are the things that matter for eternity. So anyway, um, I'll leave it there. And I'm going to pray, and, um, and we'll catch up with you next time. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for loving us and giving us such tremendous and wonderful and, and, uh, and, and hope-filled promises, the knowledge that we'll be glorified one day, uh, even as you said in Romans, that, that that which you've started will ultimately culminate in you finishing with our glorification. And we thank you for that, Father. We thank you that we'll be seeing Jesus face to face one day. We'll be in uh, before your throne one day. Well, the Holy Spirit works within us now to prepare us more and more for that time as well. So, Father, with that in mind, help us to seek those things that are above and not things that are on the earth, whether it be uh, whether it be treasures, obviously we don't want to seek those things uh, when we should be seeking eternal treasure. But Father, even when it comes to our worldviews and how we spend our time and the things that consume us, Father, we, we just ask that if those things are not ultimately characterized by you, if you're not in the middle of it, if we're not seeing Jesus more clearly in what we're pouring ourselves into, then change our thinking. Set our eyes on those things that are above and not of the earth. And Father, take hold of our hearts and just consume us wholly and totally. And Father, that's, that's a tall order because we do find ourselves distracted with a lot of things. But I just pray that you'd help us to recognize what those things really are worth and, and how temporal they can be. And instead to fix our eyes on you and to, 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 to pour ourselves into those things that are eternal in nature. So, Father, we love you and praise you and thank you. Thank you uh, for, uh, for, for raising us in Christ and saving us from that, uh, from the world that we were once a part of. And we look so forward to seeing you one day. And so until then, captivate us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I always love to hear any comments or thoughts you might have. So if you'd like to leave comments on our YouTube channel here, uh, or if you want to email me, you can do that from our church's website at calvarychapelfranklin.com. You can also uh, go to my own personal blog at parsonspad.com and you can watch videos there as well. These same videos are posted there. And you can also email me from there too. So, But in any case, I just pray that you'd walk with the Lord with full intention, just fully surrendered, fully can just allowing yourself to be consumed by Him. And... Um, and uh, and again, I'll just leave it there. But God bless you as you walk with Jesus, and we'll catch up with you next time.